Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to Speakeasy with Deneen, a podcast from Georgia Public Broadcasting. I'm your host, Deneen Milner. Each episode of Speakeasy trains a spotlight on a single word and then deep dives into the many ways it shows up in the African-American community. On this episode, the word is beauty. I'm introducing you to a skincare chef who uses ingredients meant to make your skin farm to face fresh. I'm also sitting down with three beautypreneurs who are changing the way black women think about beauty and themselves. And I'm introducing you to singer-songwriter Somi. Her music embodies beauty with poetic notes and a voice like velvet. We begin at Iwi Fresh Garden Day Spa in Atlanta. The owner, Yolanda Owens, passionately promotes natural beauty and self-love. More girls at younger age are putting more makeup in. And if you look at the rate of mental health and depression, mm. it's, so, it's going deep into our children now. Mm. Because I think of all this artificial beauty that's driving it. Yolanda runs Atlanta's Ewe Fresh Farm to Skin Spa. She calls herself the skincare chef. I am cutting some carrots. Carrots are so good. They're so good for you internally and externally. Yolanda uses organic ingredients grown nearby to make raw skincare products. And so I'm gonna plug up my juicer. I watch her as she tosses the chopped carrots in a juicer, which apparently is a man. Let's see if he's working. All right, all right, all right, calm down, calm down, calm down. All right, so I put my carrots in. And uh, everything is good. Once the carrots liquefy, Yolanda mixes them into a white base cream. That cream is made with different oils, waxes, aloe juice, shea butter, and cocoa butter. And you see how that white base cream ends up turning uh, orange color? And you see all that fresh orange and that orange in it so pretty. It looks like sherbet. It looks so good to eat. A lot of people really want to eat our products, but you really could because it's edible. But we're going to feed the skin with this. And not just any skin, my skin. This skincare cream Yolanda makes with carrots is called 14 Carat Glow. In a moment, she'll put it on my face. But first, I wanted to know how Yolanda got her start. She tells me she used to be a network engineer and more than a decade ago made the switch to training to become an esthetician. She started learning the ropes in different spas and salons before opening up her own business. Yolanda says her dedication to natural beauty goes back to memories she has visiting her grandmother in Louisiana. My grandmother had a little garden and I used to hang outside with her in her garden after we would hang clothes 
on the line, and she would make all type of home remedies for the family. So I inherit that through my grandmother. However, you know, I had eczema as a little girl, and my grandmother, like, helped heal that through a lot of her home remedies. And so I'm paying tribute to that legacy. Hearing Yolanda talk about her grandmother immediately makes me think of my family. My dad's grandmother was a midwife in Virginia, and she delivered all of her grandchildren. She had all these remedies that she passed on to my dad. I told Yolanda about it. Listen, he told me this crazy story. One of his, his, his brothers hit his knee. They got into some kind of fight, and he hit his knee with an axe, because that's how they fought. Yeah, okay. And he had this big, gigantic gash in his knee, and he told me how his grandmother healed it. So she had him go and get poke salad weeds, mm-hmm. or I guess it's called poke salad. Mm-hmm. And she mixed that with some kind of tea from mm-hmm. a tree, from the bark of a tree, mm-hmm. and snot. Mm, I believe it. And then took that and slathered it on the wound mm-hmm. and then sealed it with a spider web. Mm. That's how they said, do. And he said his knee was healed within a couple of weeks. My grandmama would get the baby's, you know, urine. Yep. And she would preserve all the baby's urine. Yep. And mix it into all her stuff. That's, I, I, yes. that, I'm, I grew mm-hmm. up that way. Yes. <laughs> and mix it in and mix it in, like whatever home remedy she was doing. Yep. And, yeah. and that's, you know, that's a lost art it is and right. you know and when i was in college you know um, my grandmother you know how you get your care packages and you have all your little cubes all your little stuff in there so when my grandmother sent me a care package i opened it up and it had like some sticks dirt it had garlic onions you know all that kind of stuff in there and it had these big collard green leaves in there and you know i called grandma i was like what is this and she was like, baby, that's for you, you know, when you get sick. She said, take that onion, put it on the bottom of your feet and wrap it up. And take the garlic and put it on the palm of your hands. And take the collard green and put it on your forehead. And take them little sticks. She had them little yellow yucca sticks. She said, chew on them. And that will get all the mucus and fleeing that's all inside of your body. It will get all that mucus up out of you. What a care package. Yeah. <laughs> That's your care <laughs> package, girl. And, you know, my roommates used to laugh at me about my little care package from grandmother. But then when they started getting sick, they was knocking on my door. Can you put some Can of them calories on my... You got, you got a piece of garlic. <laughs> put some garlic on the bottom of my feet. You see what I'm saying? Like, yes. they knew. They knew. Right? And that they was knew. passed on yes. for generations. Passed on for generations. And that's the thing is that we have to... You know, we gotta, we have to keep the legacy alive by living the legacy. Right. And then we have to live the legacy in mind with leaving a legacy. That's right. Now I'm on this big quest. I, I do this big component called the miseducation of skincare and beauty. Hmm. And um, I call it that thing. You know how Lauren Hill say that thing? That thing, that thing, that thing. And she said it. She said, we're wearing hair weaves from the European, fake nails from the Korean. She said, it's silly when girls sell their, sell their souls because it's in. That's right. That's what it is. Talk to me about beauty, specifically black beauty. So and that's that whole we, miseducation. Right. Uh, talk, I you, mean, know, you know, I, I think that 
you know, beauty got out of hand. I think that's what has happened just in general. We've, we've gotten, it's just gotten out of control through, through the manufacturers, through the non-regulations, through the lobbyists, through the commercials, you know, all of that that's pushing it in our face and is there. It has, and that's where we got lost. Right. Because we're looking at these European women with their natural, that's, their hair is naturally straight. Right. And they naturally have blue eyes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they are naturally fair skin, Mm -hmm. you know. And so we're looking at that and we're saying, okay, that's beauty. Right. And then they have all the false commercials that are saying, we're going to take the wrinkles out of your face in two days. And we can make (laughs) you look 10 years younger. (laughs) And and we can do this if you buy this. And then if you got to buy this, so you got to buy this. And you got to buy that. And you got to buy this. To really, it's all of that anti-aging. Right is like an epidemic. It's like we are striving. And we and the thing with black women, we lost, we so lost our way because we are the epitome of beauty. I mean, the Say melon, the epitome of beauty. Yes. <laughs> we was born with melon. And that melon is the what keeps you looking. That's the anti-aging. Right. We was born with anti-aging. <laughs> we right. was we got right. it. Right. We got right. it. We was born with it. I remember, you know, <laughs> being younger and feeling tugged in two different directions. Yeah. Like the one direction was I didn't fit into that ideal. I'm dark skin. Mm-hmm. I have a round face that yes. doesn't have this kind of chiseled look yes. to it that was yeah. A big thing. Uh, yeah, that was like that too. Not, right. Yeah. Obviously, my hair is not straight. Right. That's <laughs> a very curly, yes. kinky hair. Um, and so I didn't fit into that ideal. And I was surrounded by people who made a point of reminding me about that. Yes. Right. Your like, people too. Like, right, specifically Absolutely. my because I was surrounded by nothing but black because folks. you were not because you know if you know if you were the darker you were the less beauty you absolutely were, okay? absolutely and if your hair went straight absolutely yeah so and then and, and and so that's where we got lost right we got lost in that, that hurt piece. you know that it, hurt. it does hurt. that hurt me as a little girl oh to me too have someone I grew up with me, that too you know don't get in the pool because the chlorine and the sun will make you black, and that's the yes. last thing you want. You don't want to get you know. blacker. Exactly. Yeah. And it's okay. Well, I'm black. I'm black. <laughs> How is that a bad thing? Yeah. Okay. So I'm internalizing you telling me that I'm already black, and that's not cute. And if you get any blacker, you're really going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the flip side to that was my mother and my father telling me that I was pretty but that I couldn't depend on that for anything. Let me ask you this. mm -hmm. Did you always get this? You're pretty for a black girl. Pretty for a black girl. Now that is such an insult. That's still, people still say that. You're really pretty for a black girl. Absolutely. You're pretty for a black girl. What is that supposed to mean? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're pretty for a black girl. You're pretty for a black girl. My mother, but I remember my mother always telling me, don't wear makeup, it'll mess your skin up. Yeah. My grandmother and, always told me that. And my mother, she only wore lipstick when mm-hmm. she went to church. Oh, but that's the one thing that they wore. <laughs> right, it's lipstick. They wore that lipstick. That's right. And it was always fashion fair. <laughs> yeah, fashion fair. Magenta mist. That's it. Magenta mist. Yes. That was it. That was it. And it was always on Sunday because that yeah. was the special occasion yeah. going to church. And then if they wanted to dress up, kind of get fancy, they would take the lipstick 
and put and it put on, it on the, it and on they, the they call it rouge. That's right, and call it rouge. rouge. That yes. Was my and so for the longest time, and I they put a little eyeshadow up there, an eyeshadow too. Here if they were being yeah. extra fancy, extra fancy on, on the eyelids. But for right. the most part, they didn't wear makeup. No, they just had that lipstick Absolutely. for special occasions. Absolutely. Yep. And she just did not yep. allow me to wear it. Yeah. I would sneak here once yeah. in a while and get all. But that was a blessing. Right. It was because I look like I'm 30 and I'm 50. And Hello, <laughs> and I look like I'm 40, and I'm 53. And then you don't look like you're 40. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yes, but, but you know, yeah, I yeah, we we it's it, we got so um, got lost. Absolutely. That's what I say. We got lost and became very unconscious of the beauty. And the sad part is that we are the epitome of beauty. I didn't think that I was pretty. Uh huh until I had my children, my first daughter. So when my baby, when I looked in my baby's face, I'm looking in the mirror and thinking that I'm not pretty and I'm looking at this identical twin of mine <laughs> and looking at her like she's the most beautiful. And I'm like, I can't, there's no way that I can look at her and then look at me and not know that, and not know that I'm beautiful. Absolutely. And it's just, so she delivered really me delivered in that, that kind of way. And kids will do that. right? Absolutely. They do. They do. Because you're right. You look at them and you're like, wow. Right. Yeah. Right. This is this is yeah. just godly right yes. here. Absolutely. And there's no way that I can look at her. No way. And yes. think that I'm not adequate or right. good enough. A whole really lot right. of went into this. And yep. so I focused on pouring into them. So in the way that I wasn't poured into as a child, I focused on pouring into, into them. we finished chatting it was time to feed my skin hey so you ready for this yes ma'am veggie veggie facial i am ready mm. in a quieter room i lay on a spa table as she applies her homemade cleansers and moisturizers so are you allergic to anything um avocado is an issue in my body i don't know if it's Ex an issue internally outside. okay right. So most likely it should not be externally, but we'll test it out a little okay. bit on your face All right. in certain areas before we start. While my eyes are shut, Yolanda puts a warm towel on my face that's infused in green tea. So this is a cleanser here. It's made with squash and blueberries. And we mix in a little bit of Greek yogurt with it. Mm. And the beauty of this cleanser is that it cleanses your skin without stripping your skin of all its natural oils. So that's what this is. Are you okay? I'm great. Okay, great. This feels so good. It feels great. And to see photos from my visit to Iwi Fresh Farm to Skin Spa, Visit speakeasywithdeneen.com. Yolanda Owens dedicates her life to fighting artificial beauty. But now I want to turn our attention to a trailblazer who came generations before her. I'm talking about none other than Madam C.J. Walker, who died a century ago this year. In the early 20th century, she cemented her legacy by creating a hair salve that helped black women's hair grow. During an annual business convention organized by Booker T. Washington, Madam C.J. spoke to a large crowd. 
Here's a quote from that speech, read by GPB producer Tiffany Brown Riddell. I am a woman who came from the cotton fields of the South. I was promoted from there to the wash tub. Then I was promoted to the cook kitchen. And from there, I promoted myself into the business of manufacturing hair goods and preparations. I know how to grow hair as well as I know how to grow cotton. I have built my own factory on my own ground. Madam C.J. Walker, who was born as Sarah Breedlove, became one of the wealthiest black women of her time. And she's paved the way for so many other trailblazers. I talked to three of them. Pamela Booker of the company Coils by Nature, Melanie Yvette Martin of the beauty website Beautifully Brown, and journalist Alalia Bundles. I started off with Alalia, who happens to be Madam C.J. Walker's great-great-granddaughter. Alalia tells me Walker helped put Black is Beautiful into the spotlight. When Madam C.J. Walker came along, she was a poor washerwoman, Sarah Breedlove, born in 1867, right after the end of slavery. Nobody was saying black is beautiful. Nobody was telling a woman who looked like Sarah Breedlove that she was beautiful. But she inherently knew that she wanted to do something when her hair began to fall out because of hygiene issues and people didn't have indoor plumbing. And she wanted to grow her hair and not be bald. And that's how she developed her shampoo and the ointment that healed um, scalp infections that allowed her hair to grow back. And once her hair started growing back, other women wanted to know what she was doing. And that, Alelia says, is how our business took off. But Madam C.J. Walker wasn't the only innovator in town. There were other Black-owned companies, just like there's an explosion now. There were lots of people mixing things up at home and selling it. She just happened to become extremely successful with national and international distribution. But that impulse has always been there. And then you go into the 30s, 40s, 50s with um, Walker, Poro, Apex as the big three Black-owned women companies. Today, there are hundreds of Black-owned cosmetic companies in the U.S., like Coils by Nature. The Atlanta-based company was started by Pamela Booker. I went natural in 2007, um, but my products weren't natural. So I was still going into beauty supply stores, purchasing stuff that was not conducive. Oh, my natural hair, relaxed hair, huh? but natural, my hair was like, no, you will not be putting this on me. Um, so I decided to start creating products that were that had great ingredients, but then was still affordable. Right. And so you created these products. And how did you get people to know that they were there? I mean, you know, with Madam C.J. Walker, mm -hmm. she was able to capture a rapt audience that was ready and, and willing to do this. But these days, how, how do you go about getting people's How did you go about getting people's attention? In the early days, it was like before Facebook was popular, it was blog sites. OK, so CurlyNikki.com was the the haven for all black people that were right. natural. Right. So I went there and I was like, wow, it's a, a lot of women here and they all had the same needs. So they all had the same issues. So I was able to develop actually my line from the blog site, just right. hearing the needs of the women. Hearing those needs and understanding them are two different things. Here's Melanie Yvette Martin, editor of the website, Beautifully Brown. If you don't have black women in the boardroom or in your 
labs or wherever, you are not going to get it. it. It doesn't matter if you care. If you don't have people who represent the community that you're trying to sell to, you're not going to get it. That's just how it is. You have to get over it and you have to be diverse. And then the second thing I would say is, yeah, it's because they are black women and they know exactly what we need. And I also think that they know exactly what's been missing and what they want to feel. You know, I really feel like, for example, minted minted cosmetics, they knew that we wanted a beautiful nude lipstick. It is so hard for black women to find nude lipsticks. So I think it's a it's a culmination of things Um, when you have diversity in your office and it's authentic and it's how you operate as a business, it shows through your product. And I, I personally just feel like that's the only way to win. And I see so many companies doing it wrong and they keep doing the same formula. They think they can throw a few, you know, black women in a campaign and they want to get our money. It's not going <laughs> right, to work. Right, exactly. We I've see it, it a mile away. <laughs> and we know it's by not now. Work now with right. social media. Right. Absolutely. You know, well, what not kind stupid. Of, what kind of role does social media play, um, Pamela, <laughs> in, you know, getting your product out there and making people understand that this is this was created specifically for you? Yeah, social media is the thing that, you know, got me noticed by Target uh, so many years ago, back in 2013. So seeing that we created a space for women with natural hair and the and the demand, you know, that they wanted these products and that they were willing to pay $19, $15 for a bottle of conditioner when no conditioner in these retail stores were going for that much. Right, right. So the like we created that need for them and social media was the thing to do it. And as um, Melody was talking about Minted, that's how I bought them because I saw an ad on Facebook with a brown girl who looked like me putting on this lipstick. That's all it Same. took. That's all it took. That's, That's all. all it took for me to spend all of my all money of on Minted, all on Juvia. I just bought the little lip liner set, like, right. just yesterday. <laughs> oh, I didn't know about that. I'm going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> they have a lip liner set, like a lipstick and a the liner to go with it. Right. I was like, oh, just I'm taking all my coin. Purchasing post haste. Right. <laughs> but seeing, seeing people don't under, they don't understand, like, we need that imagery. Like, I was not even in the beauty space. I was a computer engineer, but I remember seeing Lisa Price on Oprah so many years ago before I even had this vision, this thought of creating anything. But finding out that she could, she started in her kitchen. I started in my kitchen, moved to my basement, and then now I have a, you know, almost a 10,000 square foot facility. So it's like, because I saw her that, and it was like, wow, I can do that too. And Pamela has made a name for herself. But you know what? We're not out of the woods yet with beauty. Lots of products don't celebrate black skin. And one of the things that gets under my skin in the beauty world is the use of skin lightening products. I asked Pamela, Melanie, and Alalia about these products. Pamela weighed in first. Well, I went to Paris. I was amazed. I went to the like, not the touristy parts of Paris, but I went to like where the black folks are in Paris. And I was so amazed to see a liquor store, a barbershop and a skin lightening cream place. Oh, like it is so. Whoa. Yeah. It's a whole They All they sell is skin lightening creams. And they had this black woman, dark skin. And then they had another picture of her, you know, with lighter skin. And I was so amazed. And then they looking at me, they're like, oh, my gosh, like you're from America. They look to us. They look to Americans as the trendsetter. Right. So it's like, what do they see when they see popular 
popular entertainers. What's their skin complexion? Beyonce right, is right, fair. fair. Right. Mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj is fair. fair. Rihanna mm-hmm. is fair. Yeah. You know, the black women that they're seeing are very, very fair. Right. When they see me and they was like, they, they, you're American. I was like, yes, I'm American. Mm-hmm. He was like, wow, you know, we look up to you, your trends and everything. But what they see is all fair skin. Right. So it's like um, we need to show more black women all hues so they can feel more comfortable because it's it's the same when I went to Jamaica. Like I could not believe you could absolutely see the difference between their face, their neck, and their knuckles. Oh my god. You know, gosh. and it was just wow. such it was such a struggle to see these ladies putting this stuff on their skin that's damaging to their bodies. Right. But yeah. they have certain things about them. They're still not getting the vision and the visuals that they see are still of people with lighter complexions. Right. right. So we need to show black women in all hues. So the world, because the world looks to America. Right. They look at Black America as the trendsetters. Right. And when all, all of the entertainers are has very, very fair skin and blonde hair, that's what, you that's think what the is, world sees. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Alelia, how do you feel about um, the skin lightening trend outside of America? Yeah, you know, it's really heartbreaking to go to some place, the Bahamas or Jamaica, and see that people are really feeling that that's what they have to do and that, you know, you you see people who have wigs and who are using skin lighteners because somehow media or their beliefs or their communities have told them that that's what's beautiful. It's very hard to penetrate that, but it is, it just really breaks my heart to know that this is still going on. It just, you know, and it's centuries going on. I mean, I think one of the things when I think about the products that Madam C.J. Walker made when she was first starting out with hair care products and then some uh, products for the skin, witch hazel and just really basic kinds of things. And then after she died, the Walker company was having some of its products distributed by a white distributor. And because there were some skin lighteners made by other companies who were trying to penetrate the black community and really play to the vulnerabilities, there was a product under the Walker name that was a skin lightener. And Mm. it was after she died. I always like to Mm -hmm, make sure mm -hmm, that I make mm -hmm, that clear. Right. Because I don't believe she ever, as a brown woman, ever would have approved that. She put her own image on her products, with her face, with her hair, sort of full and natural. And that was what she was selling. And somehow this has gotten, it got perverted. And we still are fighting this. And I think, you know, I just, it, it breaks my heart, seriously, to know that we still are having to raise another generation of girls who are getting these negative images from people that they're going to school and somebody is telling them that their hair isn't pretty, that their skin is too dark, um, that they're not beautiful. And so we're always going to have to continue to reinforce this for the girls that we love and just hold our heads high, not let somebody tell us that what grows out of our hair naturally uh, is not beautiful. We have to claim it. Amen. Yes. And with all of these products that are being created for us, hopefully that they can see, um, you know, how they look on us, how they how they move, how they just make us shine. Like I want them to feel like I feel when I'm putting on this lipstick and using these hair products and walking out my house feeling like I'm perfect just the way that I am. I, I just I wish that for them. 
I want to thank each one of you, Melanie from beautifullybrown.com, Alelia Bundles, an incredible uh, writer and activist and historian of beauty and hair care products, and the great-great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker, and Pamela Booker, the founder of Coils by Nature. Um, thank you so much for this incredible conversation and for honoring me, um, you know, by giving me your 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 insight and you know expertise on such an important topic. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And to hear more from Pamela, Melanie, and Alalia weighing in on premium products and prestige, visit speakeasywithdeneen.com. I'm Deneen Milner, and you're listening to Speakeasy with Deneen from Georgia Public Broadcasting. Now let's hear from an artist whose music embodies beauty. The singer and songwriter Somi blends modern jazz and African music to create incredible works of poetry. Here's her song, Black Enough. Am I black enough for you? I don't talk the way you do. You call me names and try to hurt me. Spit on the ground, open to curse me. They say blood is thicker than water, but you look like my great-grandfather. Walk by suck teeth, I'm not black enough for you. Somi was born in Illinois to Rwandan and Ugandan parents. She told me how she uses beauty in her music to provide a glimpse of humanity. My name is Somi. I'm a vocalist, a song maker, and a writer. My skin is black. My forehead In 2014, I made an album called The Lagos Music Salon, which was inspired by an 18-month sort of journey and sabbatical into Lagos, Nigeria. I had no plans of writing an album there. I really just went there for a a residency, a seven-week residency that ended up being almost two years of my life. What do they call me? My name is Gutsinzi. It really was about being a witness to my own journey and to the people around me and to the city around me. And so the salon really became this room of stories and ideas and experiences um, and honoring the the magic and the tragic things that I was seeing around me. Um, I was carrying around a digital voice recorder, you know, kind of trying to archive the sound of the streets or the ocean or immigration officers or the club or any kind of things that would kind of help me hold on to and archive this sense of place. Sometimes, you know, the story I'm telling might be about a very, what some might call, you know, heavy subject matter. Um, But hopefully we can frame it in a way that somebody is more, is, is, is first disarmed and caught up in the 
sonic framing and hopefully the beauty or how hopefully it resonates with them on a personal and maybe visceral level. There's a woman on the road, she got mouths to feed. A man died last year, now she works to the bone. There's a woman on the road, she got floors to clean. The sorrow is deep and of freedom gone. You know, I'm interested in the sounding of um, of ourselves as black people in the world um, because that's the experience that I can speak about. The nuance of ourselves, the global constructions of ourselves, the differences amongst ourselves. The inspiration for last song was, um, I met a woman in Lagos. Um, she had just moved back, you know, the way that many people are, a lot of young people are moving back to the continent. And we just had a wonderful conversation. We were in some wine bar and, and we kind of realized we had a bunch of mutual friends and we started talking about all the things that young women who move back might be talking about. If this were my last song, would you listen closer if this were my last song would you lean in if this were my last so i kept thinking about her through the week that oh we should you know i should get her contact and keep in touch and at the end of the week um, there was a plane crash between abuja the legislative capital of nigeria and lagos which is the commercial capital and everybody on the flight died and I found out that she was on that plane. Everything, the things you dislike, everything. My ego, my pride, everything. The sound of my scream, everything. The breath in between, everything. The first song before, everything. If this were my last song, I might just... Her name was Juni, and it was this stark reminder that you never really know when you're when you're seeing someone for the last time you know even if it's the first time that you're seeing them right and so i usually don't i don't always introduce that song you know when i'm performing it live i don't introduce it with that whole backstory but i try to just talk about what it means to be present with each other because we never know how fleeting or profound a connection with another person might be I feel very fortunate that my parents, my mother and my father and the sort of tribe of people that I got to call aunties and uncles who look like me but also 
would 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 validate my own existence and my own sense of of beauty, especially as a first generation um, American child, um, as a as a daughter of immigrants, as a black girl now woman, um, whose beauty is often called into question, whose humanity is often called into question. Um, I, I'm thankful that they reminded me that that I matter. That's New York-based artist Somi. We've created a Spotify playlist of her songs on our website, and we want to hear from you. We talked about beauty. What does that word mean to you? You can reach us at speakeasywithdeneen.com. Milner, Kiosha Howard, and Sean Powers produced the show. Our opening theme music is by M. Fassall. We heard additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. Speakeasy with Deneen is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. You can subscribe to us for free at gpb.org forward slash podcasts and anywhere you listen to podcasts. And until the next time on Speakeasy, be easy. Mm-hmm.